0: Thanks for being here with us for EESO's podcast series. It's a pleasure to have Diana Artena here with us today to speak about BMI in breast cancer patients, friend or foe. Thank you for joining us today. The first question is what is BMI and why do we care about it in uh, breast cancer settings?
1: The Body Mass Index, or BMI, is generally considered such a simple-to-use, inexpensive tool for healthcare professionals because in the general population, obesity is associated with increased breast cancer risk and because in the breast cancer population, obesity is associated with an increased breast cancer specific and all-cause mortality risk. And we have historical data going all the way back to the 2002 systematic review published in the JCO by Chlebowski et al. based on the results of 158 studies associating obesity with the worst breast cancer prognosis. And this validates recommending overweight and obese breast cancer patients to lose weight. And this has become like such a mantra many busy clinicians just default to. Also, way long before the 2002 attempt to repair the obesity-fallen aircrafts on the breast cancer battlefield, the no-coma-intended, keep-it-simply-stupid principle used by the US Navy in the 1960s has gained so much traction in this clinical complex situation. But as many forget that the weight loss might be as hard for patients as it can be for doctors, Many also forget that the KISS principle was meant for products, not for humans and also it was meant to be used in the product design stage, not after marketing. In the era of precise medicine, using BMI for breast cancer patients seems like a sunk cost fallacy, doing something because you've done it for a long time and you know how it's done regardless of its efficacy. Like a sleeping beauty whose prince never came, after all these years, many still act asleep using this KISS type old index to simplistically define normality.
0: And why would you say that using BMI to define obesity is simplistic?
1: In the busy day-to-day practice, many prefer simple to use inexpensive tools to make fast clinical decisions. But using BMI to define a disease as complex as obesity in a context as complex as breast cancer is simplistic. Because a number ignores the actual human, correlating today's total body weight to squared height ratio to all sorts of good or bad outcomes, regardless of age, race, gender, insufficient sleep, sedentariness, or chronic yo-yo dieting, and regardless of these specific humans, actual health stages. Ignoring that people labeled normal by BMI can actually be metabolically or behaviorally unhealthy. By presenting abnormal metabolic parameters like hyperglycemia, insulin resistance, dyslipidemia or liver steatosis, regardless of a normal range BMI, that does not consider neither of these, nor the distribution of fat around the body, a higher waist circumference being linked for instance to diabetes or cardiovascular disease and simply keeping the focus on having a waist size less than half the height being as a simple to use and inexpensive tool but maybe a bit more valid as at least this addresses visceral adiposity. Moreover, Normal BMI says nothing about being behaviorally healthy, which is very important in nutrition. Our ability to stop eating and our cravings are influenced by the amount of fat we have in our body by the hormone leptin. People with more fat, thus more leptin, thus more leptin resistance, have lower ability to feel satiety and more intense food cravings. Does a harder to maintain body weight, regardless of BMI. That is why defining obesity by a number negates its complexity and kind of separates patients in the good, the bad and the ugly without providing any actual clinical utility, neither for preventing nor for solving it. Losing weight without losing fat does not improve metabolic or behavioral health, nor oncology outcomes.
0: But if obesity is detrimental for breast cancer patients, wouldn't it be normal to recommend that our patients lose weight? The most basic oncology nutrition recommendation
1: is not to recommend patients patient to lose weight. In many cancer settings, things are just the opposite. The most basic oncology nutrition recommendation is that patients diagnosed with cancer require a higher protein intake than the general population because many cancers and oncology treatments associate sarcopenia. As healthcare professionals working with breast cancer patients, it is important to know that even though breast cancer per se do not associate sarcopenia, many of the treatments themselves generate muscle loss and subsequent increased adiposity even in patients who do not overeat. But we only see the obesity as weight gain in sedentary patients with too low protein intake and or excessive carbohydrate intake. Tarcopinic obesity is defined as increased adiposity based on muscle loss with or without increased body weight and this means that it can affect both normal weight and overweight or obese patients. Meaning, if after losing weight by all sorts of fat diets, the breast cancer patient has more body fat and less muscle as a result of the diet in a body that already has less muscle mass as a result of the oncology treatments, what she actually gains by the weight loss is more sarcopenic obesity. That is why, unlike the general population effective weight loss is more complicated in breast cancer patients because we need to be very careful to balance obtaining fat loss with counteracting treatment associated sarcopenia. If instead of doing this by proper oncology nutrition, we recommend or allow the patient to follow a fast, fad, impressive weight loss diet, On top of the fact that, for all sorts of reasons, many patients eat less protein than their bodies require during active treatments and also many become more sedentary and have worse sleep, we ourselves may amplify their obesity problem. We need to keep in mind that sarcopenic obesity in breast cancer patients is a clinical reality Weight prognostic impact that is completely overlooked by the focus on BMI and this can be worsened by advising weight loss for the sake of weight loss.
0: So what you're really saying is that since breast cancer's obesity can also be caused by treatment induced muscle loss, if you recommend weight loss to the general population it could be harmful?
1: In designing weight loss for breast cancer patients, we need to keep in mind that they cannot just eat anything throughout the many different stages of treatments, as they experience mucositis and nausea, which influences their ability to properly digest many foods, mental and physical fatigue, which diminishes their drive to practice physical activity, Disturbed sleep, which halves their ability to lose fat and stress-induced emotional eating, which puts gas on the fired-up weight gain associated with the treatment-induced sarcopenia. So oncology patients' nutrition should be personalized to their specific situation, to nausea, bloating, diarrhea, anxiety, low-quality sleep and the need to find some happiness in a piece of cake. Treating breast cancer patients like just another healthy Joe trying to lose some weight ignores the metabolic, digestive and emotional impact specific to different breast cancer diagnosis and treatments. And the sole focus on BMI just ignores it all. When trying to address breast cancer patients' weight gain, it is important to know how metabolism actually works during such harsh treatments and at least a bit of the neurophysiology of self-control. And that is because, with zero overeating, less muscle leads to more fat and the fat tissue is an endocrine tissue. That is why patients who lost weight by muscle loss gain higher adiposity and regardless of the normalized BMI, they feel like eating more often than people with normal adiposity and they have a harder time perceiving satiety. By leptin resistance, excess adiposity generates the need to overeat, further increasing adiposity in a positive feedback loop that becomes harder and harder to break. Normal adiposity sustains controlled eating behaviour and this goal is completely missed if the patient loses weight by muscle loss.
0: I see and in conclusion can you tell us is there any breast cancer setting in which you'd still consider bmi to be useful
1: at the latest angalen breast cancer consensus conference we heard extensively about the clinical reality of working in low research settings and bmi has no cost it's quick it's simple to use so it seems like a useful tool and also besides The high usability of this number, in many clinics or hospitals, there is no oncology dietitian, or even a general dietitian for that matter. And sometimes nurses try to cover the lack of professional nutritional services available to breast cancer patients. Other times physicians try to address nutrition a bit in the little time most have for each consultation. Still, obesity seems to thrive worldwide in breast cancer settings. So if there is anything you remember from this podcast, let it be these three things. First, losing actual fat without losing muscle and without losing eating behavior self-control is at least as hard for patients as it is for anyone else. Second, most weight loss obtained through restrictive diets is based on muscle loss and this can amplify the sarcopenia already induced by oncology treatments. And third, Losing weight by muscle loss leads to subsequent higher adiposity which has behavioral impact through leptin resistance. So when designing weight loss interventions for breast cancer patients under active oncology treatments, we should be careful to avoid amplifying the emotional eating already induced by cancer diagnosis. The sole focus on decreasing BMI in breast cancer settings bluntly ignores that weight loss doesn't equal fat loss. And what breast cancer patients may gain by losing weight on the short term with all sorts of diets is increased long-term tendency to gain weight.
0: Thank you so much for that very insightful and uh, clear information.